Welcome to On Demand, this is Pastor Rick. Today we talk about celebrate. You know, I love the time of year when we start talking about stuff about Christmas and holidays and all that good stuff. And this is that season and I am so excited. I get really, really happy. But today's message will put some things in context. How do you live in a new world was the theme for the year. And one of the things you have to learn in the new year and the new season like this is how to celebrate because you can forget. Well, in today's sermon, I'm gonna take on this question and I want to show you some principles about celebration. This is a good study because I think people get the whole thing wrong. What does God feel about celebration? Is he against you celebrating Christmas? Is he against you celebrating holidays? Does he think you should just talk about him and nobody else? Ah, you'll love this one. Stay right there. The word of God on demand in your hand. Get your Bible ready, folks. This is going to be a great Bible journey. I'll show you what the word says. Stay right there. Hi, it's Pastor Rick, glad you're back. Listen, I'm excited about today's study. I'm excited about this entire month because I love the holidays. I'm a big, big Christmas person. Uh, I, I dance a lot, I, I jump around a lot. I'm really excitable because I love the season and um, I will be wearing my jacket. I love red and I love the whole look of Christmas. And uh, this is especially good for me because this is the month, this is the season when Dan and I celebrate two things. One is my my marriage, which was 41 years ago, Diane and I got married on December 17, 1980, and it was phenomenal. I'm so happy. Then, a year later, exactly to the day, I became the pastor of Overcoming by Faith. Uh, they were, uh, Diane was in the hallway in the lobby waiting for them to pray me in, and I became the pastor. So I celebrate on the same day, uh, 40 years of pastoring and 41 years of marriage. So this is a great season, and I'm honored to have been your pastor, uh, those of you who are members of our church were honored. And those of you I've been able to touch through this role as a pastor, God bless you. Thank you for allowing me to be in your life. Now, having said that, uh, if, if you uh, are really, 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 really excited uh, about God's goodness in your life, like I'm about mine, you'll love the sermon because this sermon is about celebration. And so I want to pray. Normally, we've already prayed, but I want to pray now. Father, I pray for us and I pray for this message. I pray that what we talk about today will liberate, lift, and inspire people to be happy about who they are and about their life and to find the joy in celebration in Jesus' name. Amen. I believe the Bible does not support being sad about celebration. I believe the Bible supports being happy about celebration. And as we, as we look at a world that's going through a whole lot of different phases, a lot of different seasons, it's really important for us to focus our attention and make sure we stay in the right space in our heads. Because there's so many reasons to be depressed, so many reasons to be down, but I want to give you some reason to be happy. But before I do that, I want to go back over the year, because this is the last month, the last time that we're going to be uh, dealing with this particular annual theme. Um, and so I want to make sure you know what the theme was, and then I want to recount what we talked about so far this year, just really briefly. First of all, the theme for the year is, how do you live in a new world? That was the question that I asked. Every year I try to answer, answer, answer one question. And so how do you live in a new world? What do you do to live in this new world? How do you process? How do you manage? And there are specific things that I believe you had to do. And so I gave you uh, a, a list of 12 different, well, at least it's more like 11 topics because one was two parts. But let me list them for you again, put them on the screen so you can see them and remember what we talked about all year. This is so important. 
Because again, most people don't remember everything you say, but if I pose this one question a year, then you can say, he's gonna tell me all year how to live in a world that's changed like this. Here's the first thing I said to do. Allow yourself to be trained. That's the first series we did. Training is all important if you're gonna survive in a new world. You have to retrain yourself. Number two, I talked about managing your resources. You have to manage your money. Not just your money, your time, your health, all those resources that God has given you. You have to learn how to manage them. Thirdly, you have to learn how to manage your expectations. There are a whole series on expectations, and all these are free. You can go online and watch all of them. They're all on the app, especially. If you want to just go online, you can check out all of them. Manage your expectations. You can't expect everything. You have to learn how to adjust to change and adjust your expectations. That's why some of you don't like marriage, you don't like your job, you don't like a lot of things because you expected something and when you got there, it was different. And fourthly, we talked about, you have to know the truth. Now, I'm gonna talk about that in the coming year. As a matter of fact, we'll revisit that topic. So we can look forward to that. I have a whole series of things I'm gonna talk about next year. And then number five, we talked about making good investments. So if you're gonna live in a new world, you gotta be trained, you gotta watch your resources, you gotta watch your expectations, <clears throat> excuse me, you gotta know the truth and you have to make good investments. If you make bad investments, you won't get to where you want to be. My question for Ricky Temple is, am I investing my time in the right things, the right programs, the right, the right um, investments, the right uh, programs? Am I just investing to invest? And if I'm not careful and if I don't know how to look at this and say, this doesn't get me what I want, spending time watching this much television is not a good investment if I'm trying to learn. If I'm a student trying to graduate and I'm investing all my time with my friends, that's not gonna get me a degree. How you make investments, really important series. Then we talked about understanding the God you love. If you're gonna live in this new world, you need to understand God. And I went through a, a series of conversations about what God's like, and you need to be clear. If you understand the God you love, you, you're gonna be able to function in the world better. And number six, we talked about, number seven rather, being mature. So maturity was important. We talked about that for two months. Being mature and this whole conversation of growing up and not being a child, not be tossed to and fro by everything that people throw at you. Then we talked about if you want to live in this new world, you got to be confident in the work. You have to be confident and you have to do the work. You can't just in this world say, I'm, I'm, God's going to work it out for me. Okay, that's fine. Be confident. That's important. But you have to do the work. I often tell people, if, if you don't give God something to work with, there's no way you can be blessed. You can pray for money, blessings, opportunity, all you want. But if you don't invest and do the work, you have to be confident and do the work. And then we talked about making good decisions. And that's important. In this new world we live in, you've got to make decisions that are important. And I gave you a formula for making decisions. You've got to learn how to map things out, if you remember. And I said, once you map it out, then you have to predict, okay, for example, I am planning on going from here to New York. If I'm going to New York and I have a half a tank of gas, I can predict that that is not going to work, not from where I'm living. So if I'm in Georgia trying to get to New York, I need more than a half a tank of gas. So you lay out on the map how much gas you need and you tell the truth. I'm going to need maybe a couple of tanks of gas. So if I don't have but a half a tank of gas, I can predict then I'm not going to make it. So I got to make another decision. So there is a mapping phase where you lay out the facts. There's a predicting phase where you analyze those facts. And then there is a phase where you say, okay, I need to make a new decision.
For some of you, that whole study is worth you going back and listening to. Because for some of you, the problem is you have not made good decisions. And it would be really important for you to start mapping honestly. Tell yourself the truth. If I keep cussing my wife out like this, if I keep cussing myself, my, my boss out, if I keep being late, what do you predict will happen? You'll lose your job. And if you lose your job, that's not a healthy thing. So make a new decision. Start getting up earlier. Start preparing yourself. So we did a whole series on that, and we used the book Farsighted by Stephen Johnson as a guide for that three, three templated example I just gave you. I thought it was brilliantly put together. And so you can get the book Farsighted. You can read about that. But we talked about that a lot. Also, we talked about in uh, our, our last series uh, before this one is called What Works and What Doesn't Work. And here's what we talked about. Change what does not work. How do you live in a world? You change what doesn't work. If it doesn't work, and I said to you, division doesn't work, unity does. And we spent a good bit of time talking about the importance of unity, the importance of not being a person who's divided, and how dangerous that is for our country. I'm going to say, no matter what any politician tells you, no matter what anybody says to you, if you allow I'm divided, you're, Jesus said it. He said, a family, a house divided against itself cannot stand, cannot stand. You're going to fail. That is what we talked about this year. And the final sermon in the series this year is called Celebration. If you want to make it, if you want to know how to live in a new world, you have to learn what to celebrate, learn how to celebrate. And if you learn how to do that, if you learn how to embrace the moment, enjoy the life you have, enjoy what you have, not what you want, learning how to look at your life and say, what I have, I'll make work for now. I'll work for more, but I'll celebrate what I have. And that's what we'll talk about today. And there are three things that you should learn to celebrate that we're going to study. So I hope the whole year has been helpful to you. We close out the year with three final things I want you to think about. Learn what to celebrate. That's today. Then we're going to talk about learning to celebrate your fruitfulness. And we're going to talk about learning to celebrate the authority you've been given. I have been given a certain amount of authority. I have been given a certain amount of fruitfulness. I have a certain amount of resources in my life. I have learned, I have a life that I need to learn how to celebrate. Genesis chapter one is going to take us on a journey in a moment that will show us some interesting principles that will be helpful in putting these three things together. Today, though, I want to talk about celebration and I want to talk about why I think some people struggle with it. It is my opinion, it is my conviction, and I think it's buried out in life and buried out even in scripture that a lot of people struggle with this season of the holidays because they don't know how to celebrate. They have been somehow convinced that Jesus really isn't about you being happy or celebrating. He's really only about you celebrating him. He's kind of like insecure. And so if you don't mention his name in every song and if you don't mention his name in every word and if you don't say, thank you, Jesus, God bless, hallelujah, if you don't say that in every sentence, that somehow he becomes insecure and he says, you're not giving me glory, you're not honoring me. And so there's this pressure, if you're not careful, to celebrate. There's this pressure to make, make God happy because he gets upset. He's a jealous God. You know, we take that text out of context and say, you know, he really gets nervous. That is so far from the truth. That is not what this is about at all. As a matter of fact, Paul, Paul said something that was powerful. In Romans chapter 14, verse 15, here's what he said. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. 
Each of them shall be fully convinced in their own mind. I, I, um, I have listened for years to people throw off on Christmas, throw off on the holidays, and say things like, ah, oh, you know, you just need to just serve Jesus. You're taking Christ out of Christmas. Taking Christ out of Christmas. That's what I don't like about Christmas. Because there's not enough Jesus in Christmas, everybody. You need to say Jesus in the morning, Jesus in the noonday, Jesus in the sun goes down. And if you don't say Jesus, he said, if you shame the name me before men, I'll be ashamed to name you before my Father in heaven. You need to take a breath. I understand what you're trying to say, but our God's not insecure. My kids don't have to go around saying, Daddy, 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 Daddy. My daddy did that. My daddy gave me that. My daddy, no, Ricky Temple Sr. gave me that. My, they don't have to do that. I mean, there is, a, there is a place to honor me, but there is something about the way we portray Christ as this insecure person who's against gift giving and he's against dancing, he's against any celebration. That somehow it's, it's almost like he, you, you, the way they portray Jesus is, all right, this right here is a, Christ's birthday, this season, and the only thing that matters is not the gifts. It's just, it's just celebrating him. <laughs> December 25th is not Christ's birthday. Now, I know this for some of you, that's a moment you need to pause and pray and talk to God and say, God, he's preaching blasphemous words. But no, I'm telling the truth. It's not. That's not the day Christ was born. It's not. It, it probably, most scholars believe, was sometime in the spring. But let me just say, here's how we got to December 25th. Some Christians, believers, got together, and they were noticing that everybody was celebrating something called the winter solstice. Now, I want to put something on the screen. I want you to just listen to what this is. Now, this is going to be a little bit of a lesson, okay, a little history lesson. More, I'm going to say more on the screen than I normally would, but I want to take you through some stuff so you can understand. Because here's what's important. You can't celebrate if you don't understand. If you don't understand history, if you get lost and you don't realize how all this started, you're going to get confused. And what you're going to discover in this little brief history lesson I'm going to give you is how much church people created a lot of this, some Santa Claus to the, to the night before Christmas. A lot of that stuff was done by us including the establishment of Christmas as the day to celebrate the birth of Christ, which is fine. Let me make sure you're clear. Romans 14, 5 says, One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. You can celebrate any day you want. You can say, you know, you want to celebrate it on the 29th. God wouldn't care. Paul says this, the issue is you can make the decision to, to honor God. It's like, I want to give God an honorable mention on the 25th of December celebrating his birth. Fine. Doesn't bother him. Doesn't bother him at all. That's what Paul said in Romans chapter 14, verse 5. So having said that, let me, if I can, put this on the screen. And this is important for you to understand. Some don't understand. This is why I think some can't celebrate, because they don't understand that some holiday celebrations was designed, watch this now, to compete with secular holidays. Some secular holidays. Were, were, were created, and we were competing with those. So the Christian leaders decided what they would do is they would create their own holiday celebration. So here we go. Read this on the screen with me. The winter solstice is the shortest day and longest 
night of the year in the Northern Hemisphere. It takes place between December 20th and December, and December 23rd. Cultures around the world have long-held feasts and celebrated holidays around the winter solstice. Fire and lights are traditional symbols of celebrations held on the darkest day of the year. Pause right there. Please be clear, that's what they were competing against because everybody was celebrating the winter solstice, the longest day of the year, and it was between December 20th and December 23rd. So watch this now. Next thing I want you to read with me on the screen. By holding Christmas at the same time as traditional winter solstice festivals, church leaders increased the chances that Christmas would be popularly embraced but gave up the ability to dictate how it was celebrated. By the Middle Ages, that's the 5th through the 15th century, Christianity had for the most part replaced pagan religion on Christmas. Believers attended church, then they celebrated raucously in a drunken carnival-like atmosphere similar to today's Mardi Gras. It migrated to like a Mardi Gras from the 5th century on to the 15th. That's what they did, celebrate Christmas. Now, the source for all of this, by the way, is uh, on our website. If you, if you download the notes, uh, the, the whole quote is, is drawn from a history source that you would uh, can read more about. So if you want to see where the source is, just click on and you can find it. It's right there in front of you. Now, watch this. One more thing I want to read. Now, I want you to hear this. This is so important. It's so important. In the 17th century, a wave of religious reform changed the way Christians was, Christianity was, Christmas was celebrated in Europe. When a guy named Oliver Cromwell, and they're going to put his picture up for you, Oliver Cromwell and his Puritan forces took over England in 1645. 45, can I see? Yes, 45. They vowed to rid England of the decadence and as part of their effort canceled Christmas. By popular demand, Charles II was restored uh, to the throne and with him came the return of the popular holiday. So, I want you to see. It was created. It was celebrated. Then this guy comes around. He's like a bah humbug kind of guy, Oliver Cromwell. And Oliver Cromwell says, stop all this Mardi Gras stuff and drinking. It's going to be about Jesus. God. Okay, good. I mean, I don't, I'm not against the stopping the drunkard part. Okay. But I want you to notice that's the history of it, the true history of it. And I, I want to make sure that you, you right there, you can, like I said, I, I, put, I, I put the uh, source right there for you on the screen so you can go look it up yourself. It's, 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 it's an amazing truth. Let me read one more thing to you. Now watch this. <laughs> this is important because I, I think um, the whole St. Nicholas thing, you know, the Santa Claus and all that kind of stuff, and a lot of that was fed by another guy who was a preacher, by the way, okay? And I find it fascinating that he had this incredible idea. So let me talk a little bit more about Christmas, and I want to put this on the screen for you to read. You ready? Hang with me. The Pilgrims, English uh, separatists that came to America in 1620, were even more orthodox in their Puritan beliefs than Cromwell. Remember that guy I showed you? As a result, Christmas was not a holiday on, on, in early America from 1659 to 1681. The celebration of Christmas was actually outlawed in Boston. Anyone exhibiting the Christmas spirit was fined five shillings 
By contrast, in Jamestown settlement, Captain John Smith reported that Christmas was enjoyed by all. So I want you to see there's this constant historical fight. Some say yes to Christmas, and some say bah humbug to Christmas. Some say some orthodox religious people say, we're going to celebrate Christ, and they were really serious about it, right? And then some decided, okay, this is pretty good. So some took it another step. And I want to talk about one more guy, and I promise, hang with me. This is important, okay? Because now I want to bring in this conversation about Santa Claus. Now, for some of you, I know that Santa Claus is a sacred conversation. I was a devout believer in Santa Claus for many years. I was. I really was. The legend of Santa Claus, let me put this on the screen for you. The legend of Santa Claus can be traced back to a monk named St. Nicholas. He was a preacher who was born in Turkey around 280 A.D. St. Nicholas gave away all of his inherited wealth and traveled the countryside helping the poor and sick, becoming known as the protector of children and sailors. St. Nicholas first entered American popular culture in the 18th, late 18th century in New York. When Dutch families gathered to honor the anniversary of the death of St. Nicholas, Dutch for St. Nicholas or Center Claus, Ah, that's how they used to say it, Santa Claus, for short. And it evolved to be called Santa Claus. And that's where the name came from. So, again, I want you to see, that's how it happened. Now, you might go, wait a minute, wait. Yeah, he was a preacher, dude. St. Nick, they were celebrating this guy who gave away his wealth, and he was giving and helping children. So then it migrated to another level. And this is my last read from the screen. So hang with me today, please. Here's another one. Some don't understand the origin of the holiday, and they, they are struggling with celebrating it because they put it in this place that just isn't historically true. Here's my last read. Hang with me. In 1822, Episcopal minister, I'm going to put his picture up for you, Clant, Clement Clark Moore, wrote a Christmas poem called An Account of a Visit from St. Nicholas, more popularly known by his first line, "'Twas the night before Christmas. The poem depicted Santa Claus as a jolly man who flies from home to home on a sled driven by reindeer and delivering toys, started by a preacher. Just want to say, Episcopal minister Clement Clark Moore. Now, again, I put stuff on the screen, and if you want to download the notes, you can see where all these sources come from, and you can understand it. As I read this stuff to you, I read it because it helps you see historically how it fit. What does that have to do with anything? What kind of sermon is this talking about history? What in the world? Well, because you're preaching against stuff and acting as if we had nothing to do with creating some of these. Here's a big word. You ready? Hyperbolic. Examples, hyperbole, you've heard of that before. Hyperbole means to exaggerate. We created some of this around fables and people and preachers and stories, and it evolved and became all kinds of things. This is fascinating. You ought to study about how Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer came into being. It's, you know, anyway, it's from an advertisement, by the way, uh, from a department store. But just get past all that and say this. Here's the bottom line. You decide I want to celebrate. God says go for it. No, he's not, he's not, no more than he's mad about Bugs Bunny. He's not mad about the guy in the red suit. I'll leave it there. I mean, I don't think we need to get all hyped up and get lost in that and preach. And I believe Jesus and the Lord said and, and going to hell if you give a gift. Um, let's then stop all that. Celebrate. It's okay. As long as you know who he is, 
You know, I'm kind of like David. David said, you know, I just learned in Psalm 139, I learned to celebrate because I have been wonderfully, fearfully, and wonderfully made. And I look at the works, he says, and, and the wonderful things that God has done, and I just want to celebrate because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And then he says, not only am I fearfully and wonderfully made, that's why I celebrate, but I celebrate because Psalm 139, David says in verse 16, because he says, all my days are ordained for me and written in a book. God's like that parent writing down, oh, did you see him do that? You ever seen the parents taking pictures? Oh, yeah, look at, look at, look at, look at Ricky. He's preaching good today. Oh, look at, look at him. He's, oh, boy, he's, he's, he's working. You know, you know how proud you are of your kids? God wants you happy. Celebrate. Stop spending all your time preaching against and arguing with people about holidays. Listen, you don't want to celebrate. Please go to the left. Step up to the side. All the rest of us who choose to be happy, who choose to party and worship God and, and find joy in it, and who want to enjoy the fruitfulness. We want to enjoy the things that God has given us and, and still honor God. Let us alone. I hope you got that. I know it's, it's a lot of history. Pastor Rick, I felt like I was in the history class. I know, I feel you. But the problem is, you're arguing about something you don't need to be arguing about. Just go be happy. I am. Let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to find some space to dance this holiday season. It's going to be a sight to see. And some of you better listen. Don't, you, don't make any jokes. I'm telling you, I am going to celebrate my life every day I can. My wife, my life. And you know why? A lot of you during this season, it's sad for you because you've lost people. And, and one of the regrets some of you have, have is because you didn't celebrate enough when they were alive. So that's what I'm trying to tell you. Celebrate now while you can. Dance while you can. Give a gift while you can. It may not be a big gift. It could be a card, a call, a smile, a biscuit, something. Be happy. Well, Pastor Rick, I just can't be happy because I lost my mama. Is that why your mama raised you? So you can be sad when it's Christmas? I lost my daddy. Is that why he raised you? My brother died. Your brother wants you to be sad during Christmas, holidays. That's what they tell you? Is that what you want your kids to do? Do you sit all your kids down and say, all right, when I die, I want everybody to be sad on the holidays, okay? There'll be no happiness because I'm dead. Everybody's, everybody's got to cry. Cry all day, cry all night, and say my name, Ricky. That's the Ricky. <laughs> I know. Lord have mercy. No. No, absolutely not. Celebrate their life by living your life. Let me say it again. Celebrate your life. Celebrate their life by living yours. Now, I'm about to pray. Next week, we're going to talk about fruitfulness. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray. Oh, God, I pray for fruitfulness and blessing in our lives. I pray for you to minister healing to people today. Let them feel your presence. Let them feel your love and let them feel your healing touch. And let them say, you know what? That man is right. It's time for me to celebrate. 
Some need to get a treat. Some need to just get a smile. I don't know what they need to do, but whatever it is, I release them in Jesus' name to be happy and to celebrate their life. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, somebody told me once, they said, Pastor Ricky, I could celebrate. I'm going to throw this in real quick as a bonus. But I'm the last one. Everybody's died in my family. I'm the only one. You know, whenever you go to battle, if you are the last one, the person you put behind you is the one you trust the most, the rear guard. Some of you that are just you're the last one, you're the, you're the rear guard. They trusted you. God trusted you to pull up the rear, protect the backside, the part they can't see. And you're that last one. Celebrate that. Celebrate that. And you go home when it's your time, knowing you did your part. And when you walk into heaven's gates, I believe they'll all be high-fiving you. Say, you go, girl. You go, boy. You know, you pulled up the rear, man. We're waiting on you. We knew you was coming any minute now. We're, we're proud of you. Celebrate it that way. See the good in this. Go have a good day. Demand that you have a good day. Look in the mirror and tell yourself, this is going to be a good day. My time is so up. I got to go. I hope you were helped today. I hope it lifted your spirit. I pray, God, for those today who heard this message. May it give them hope. And those who have heard it and said, you know, he's right. I need to celebrate, but I also need to remember God. Maybe in your life, maybe in my life, you'd say, Lord, I have forgotten you. And I want to, in this celebration season, invite you back into my life. May this be that moment for them in Jesus' name. Well, I pray the sermon inspired you today and helped you see that God is not against celebration. And I hope you paid attention to all the little Christmas history I shared with you. A lot of times we forget a lot of the stuff that we did. We did it. We set up Christmas tradition. We set the holiday where it is on the calendar. And, we, and it's not Christ's birthday, by the way, I don't believe. I believe it was in the spring, like I said in the sermon. But I think it's really important for you to be clear that the biggest issue is you deciding how you want to honor God. Paul said it. You heard me mention it earlier. If you choose to celebrate the day, God joins you. So I choose to celebrate, and I hope you do too. And I hope you see that God's a big God. He cares about all of us. And the main thing is that we keep the main thing the main thing. And don't lose sight of the power of celebration and how it all started. So let me pray for you, shall we? Father, I pray for those who will feel released to celebrate, to be happy. To thank God for the season. To thank God for choosing a season to praise Him. Some choose not to, that's okay. But for those of us who do, we embrace it without guilt or condemnation and with joy and happiness. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. My name is Pastor Ricky Temple. Thanks for joining me on demand. Got more to talk about next time. Part two is really cool, so you make sure you tune in. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.